Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. for your giving. Uh, Today we are going to conclude a series we've been in entitled Beautiful Feet. We've been dealing in this series with the topic of evangelism and um, it is often looked at as the dreaded E word and we've been trying to bring the beauty back in to evangelism. And when we got people coming around right now um, to put invites in your hands, we're going to ask that all those helping me now, if you could just give each person two popcorn invites. Some of you are thinking, well, Pastor, why are we doing this? Well, we can't preach an entire series about evangelism and then not give you the tools to go invite someone to church. So we're going to put a bag of popcorn. It's got a ticket with all the information on it for at the movie so that you can have a conversation with someone and invite them to church. So... Um, How many believe that some people that don't normally go to church are going to come to at the movies? Anybody believe that? I believe that. It's one of the reasons we do this series is because it is the easiest um, series of the year to invite unchurched people to church. Uh, And so we're going to make this as you have conversations this week, maybe some of the names you wrote down. on week one of the series that you wanted to pray for and, and invite to church that you can have a, uh, connect with them at some this week and put a bag of popcorn in their hand that has all the info that they need to come to one of the next four weeks. Hopefully they'll come all four weeks. We have seen more people saved during this series over the last, um, 12 or 13 years than anything we've done uh, in the history of our church. So it's a great opportunity uh, to get involved, to invite that coworker, that neighbor, that friend, that family member, um, and just get them to church with you. I, I believe that the Holy Spirit will meet us, as we've been talking about in this series, that God is um, working on the hearts of the people you're connected to. And when we do evangelism, when we, when we invite people to church, we're actually just partnering with what God is already doing, what God is already up to. And so I'm going to let them pass those out. And don't you leave them here. I'm going to be mad. A lot of work went into that. All right. A lot of work went into purchasing that many bags of popcorn, uh, 1,500 bags of popcorn, Uh, and then designing tickets, printing tickets, glue dotting tickets, like a lot of hours went into that. So make sure that we don't waste that. And here's what I want to do is they're passing those out. Uh, Before I jump into like the sermon part here today, um, we started in week one by jotting down some names of people that we're going to talk to, invite, and pray for. And I just, before I jump into the message, I just want us to pray right now. I want you to pray too. Don't just lean on me. And I want you to maybe even pray out loud for maybe the people that you know you're going to invite, you're going to talk to. But let's just take a minute right now and pray for all the people that we're going to connect to and invite to church over the next few weeks. Let's pray together. Father, we just come before you now in the name of Jesus. And we thank you so much, God, that we get to partner with you in the harvest. And God, we know it's not so much about 
us taking you outside the four walls to people, but God, it's, it's us joining you in what you're already doing in the lives and in the hearts of people. God, we pray uh, for every single person, God, that every name that was jotted down on a connect card a few weeks ago, God, that family member, that coworker, that neighbor, God, that we plan to have conversation with, God, we just pray for their heart, we pray for their mind, we pray that their heart would be open, God, to, to hearing an invite, and, and even beyond that, open to hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. We pray that you would anoint our steps this week, go before us, and God, um, God, let, let these conversations be productive. And God, we pray for our At The Movie series that over the next four weeks, God, we pray that lost people would come to church. Your word says to compel them to come into the house of God. We pray that they would come in, hear the gospel, and God, that we would see lives changed by the power of the gospel. And we ask it today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Everybody got two bags of popcorn? All right. All right. So take advantage of that. We're going to jump into the last message in the series today. And before I, I get too far in, I do want to say um, so many good things are happening. Uh, we launched small groups this past week, um, and so many people connected in small groups that are finding community. One of our small groups uh, literally saw uh, a lost people, a lost person come to the group and give their life to Jesus at small group. Isn't that awesome? Uh, so we just celebrate that. Freedom Night, we saw healing, deliverance, and even salvation on, on this past Friday night. If you're not making it a, a priority to get to our Freedom Nights, I promise you are missing out on a move of God. Some amazing things are happens, happening. So we have another one scheduled for sometime in November. I'm not even going to try to throw a date out at you right now because I'll mess it up. But we do have one scheduled for November, and we have Nick Walker um, coming to preach that night. And, and the reason I want to reference this is because Nick Walker preached uh, probably five years ago down in um, the southern coal fields where I grew up. Uh, in a place called Del Barton, West Virginia. Uh, I think the population is about 700 people in this town. And he went down and he was preaching a revival meeting at the Del Barton Church of God, which is now called the Regional Church of God. And revival broke out that went on for several weeks. And in this small town, 1,700 people were gathering every night of the week. As the Holy Spirit was moving and lives were being changed, Nick Walker will be in-house in November for our Freedom Night. So make plans to be here. We'll get the date to you ASAP. Um, I want to go right to uh, Isaiah chapter 52, verse 7, which is our foundational scripture. And um, we've been using this uh, in, in, in the title of Beautiful Feet. It says, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the messenger who brings good news. The good news of peace and salvation, the news that the God of Israel reigns. Um, and what I want to end by talking to you about is embracing the journey. That when we're reaching people, when we're having conversations with people, we have to understand it's not an event, it's a journey. That, that it's not a one-time event that we put on the calendar. It's a journey that we walk with people um, through um, their process, through their journey of coming into a relationship with Jesus. And at the end of the day, I want my feet to be beautiful. How many of you would say today that you want your feet to be beautiful because you're sh sharing the good news? 
right? Beautiful feet. That's, that's the whole premise of this series is that um, beautiful feet means that we are sharing the message of Jesus. And the great thing about the message of Jesus is that it is the greatest story in the world. How I many we've got the greatest news in the world that the gospel is that we couldn't get to God. So God came to us in the form of a man that we know as Jesus and became the bridge of heaven to the earth. We can't save ourselves, but we do have a savior who not only saves us, but will heal us, will deliver us, will save set us free, has purpose for us, has destiny for us, and that is the greatest message in the world, and God has entrusted you and I with this beautiful message. And so we're going to close it out today because um, Christians and non-Christians, when it comes to evangelism, a lot of times when you bring up this topic, Christians uh, can turn you off. Like I said in week one, a lot of Christians will be like, Pastor, you can talk about money, you can talk about sex, you can talk about anything. Just don't talk about me witnessing. And because for a lot of people, um, they don't want to engage in evangelism. And then unchurched people, they really don't want you to engage in evangelism because it, it can be somewhat uncomfortable for people. And so today, our challenge is to move away from the idea of evangelism as an event to seeing it as a journey, seeing it as a, a process that, that we walk with God through. Um, and a lot of times we men, uh, you guys know this, we go to the bathroom in public places and we will be at the urinal and see a track. How many's ever seen that before? We'll see a gospel message. And I'm, I'm not against that, but I think uh, a lot of times our process is more a canned script where we go out on a certain date on the calendar and we are going to work on evangelism on this day because we see it as an event. I want to encourage you to see evangelism not as an event, but as a journey. Because your process in God was not just an event, it was a journey. The person you're trying to reach, it's not just an event, it's a journey. And what I mean by that is some of us, we got saved after someone prayed for us for five years. How many know that was not an event? That was a journey. That was, that was a process. Uh, I've heard countless stories of people who gave their life to Christ, um, you know, 10 years or longer after people had been praying for, for them. And they wake up one Sunday and they go to church and they give their life to Christ. And we all look at it like, wow, what a great day. What a great event in that person's life. But it really wasn't an event. There were many years of prayer. There were many conversations that led to the moment. And I don't know about you, but I am thankful for the people that God put in my path that not only talked to me about Jesus, but prayed for me. Anybody thankful for all the prayers that have gone up on your behalf? It's not just an event. It's a journey. And so I want to talk to you about that. And my first point this morning is that the journey of faith is mysterious. The journey of faith is mysterious. Your journey is, my journey is, the journey that we take to come to God. It is, in fact, a journey, and it is mysterious. Um, and it may sound simple, but it's very true. Most of us can identify that our relationship with God, our relationship with Christ, has been not only a journey, but a mysterious journey. And I want everyone to accept this fact today. You cannot save anyone. 
You cannot convert anyone. You don't have the power to bring new life into a person's heart. Only God can change a person's life. Only God can change a person's mind. And the pathway to faith is a work of God. And he simply invites us to join him in what he's doing. And so the reason this is good news is because this takes the monkey off my back and it takes the monkey off your back because you can't convert anyone. I can't convert anyone. At the end of the day, only God can convert people. Only the Holy Spirit working on a person's heart can draw them into a relationship with the Father. Our job, as you're going to see in this message today, is to keep planting good seed. Our job is to plant good seed. Not convert them, not save them, not bring new life to them. Our, our job is to deliver the mail, if you will. Our job is to plant seed in the hearts of people. And so we are, get this, we are gospel farmers. We're gospel farmers. Um, and as, as gospel farmers, we don't really understand how it all works. Most of us are not farmers by, by trade. That's not what we do. We don't wake up in the morning and go work the garden all day. If you do that, praise God for you because I love to eat whatever it is you're growing. Um, we, we're, we're thankful that, that there are farmers, but most of us are not. Uh, but many in Bible times, they were farmers, and Jesus used this to illustrate a person's journey to faith that we are gospel farmers. In Mark chapter 4, Starting in verse number 26, it says, Then Jesus said, The kingdom of God is like someone who plants seed in the ground. Night and day, whether the person is asleep or awake, the seed still grows. But the person does not know how it grows. By itself, the earth produces grain. First the plant grows, then the head, and then all the grain in the head. When the grain is ready, the farmer cuts it because this is the harvest time. And what is Jesus saying in the text here? He's telling us that you and I are to plant the seed. We are to plant the good news. We are to share. We, we've got good seed because we're in relationship with Christ, and we are to plant that seed. And what I love about the text is that, that we plant the seed, and we can walk away from what we've planted. You can have a conversation with someone, plant seed, walk away from that conversation, and you don't know how this works but because you're not even there any longer, but you planted the seed, you walk away from the seed, but the seed is beginning to grow. It's growing. And a lot of times I think we, we, we feel the pressure to plant the seed, water the seed, remove all the weeds, and get them to harvest time all in five minutes. Well, listen, it took you longer than five minutes. Some of y'all, y'all were hard-headed like me. It took a few years for you to bow your knee to Jesus. And so why, if it took you a while to bow your knee to Jesus and to get your life in order, why do we put so much pressure on ourselves to plant the seed, kill the weeds, water the seed, and have a harvest in a 10-minute conversation? I'm telling you, it don't all, I'm thankful when it works like that, but I also understand that a lot of times I've got to plant the seed, walk away, come back, water the seed, walk away, come back, kill some weeds, remove some bad thinking, leave, come back, have 
have another, another conversation, and then it might be harvest time. At the end of the day, we are to plant the seed, trust God, and expect that at some point we'll have a harvest on the seed that we've planted in that coworker, in that neighbor, in that family member that, that is stubborn and hard-headed. How many are thankful that we will experience a harvest if we will walk through the journey? we got to be willing to walk through that journey with people. And so it's not, I wish it was like the microwave. I like the microwave. I like throwing something in, hitting two minutes, and I'm ready to eat. Anybody feel me? When you're hungry, you're hungry. You know, there's a lot of days I'm at that point, if I don't do the two-minute thing with the microwave, I'm not going to be hungry. I'm going to be hangry. Do I have any people that get hangry? I've seen some of y'all when you're hangry. All right. Today, you, you, don't, you don't have to be hangry today. We got enough fried chicken to feed everybody, all right? So you don't have to be hangry today. Um, and the thing I love about seed is that if I go to the store and I buy a packet of seed um, and I'm going to plant tomato, I'm going to plant tomato seed, whatever it might be, I can go purchase the packet and the seed doesn't look like it could potentially live as long as as it remains in the packet. That seed is no good to me or anyone else until I take the seed out of the packet and I go and put it in the ground. What good is it to have the greatest message in the world in seed form and never have a conversation with anyone to put that seed that isn't going to do anything for anybody until it is planted. And God has left you and I the responsibility of planting the seed. That all by itself, the seed, as long as it remains in the packet or as long as the seed remains in your heart and you never take the initiative to plant the seed, nothing can live from that. And Jesus talked with Nicodemus about this issue. Nicodemus was a Jewish theologian. He was a very smart man, but he didn't understand how salvation works. And he was having this conversation with Jesus about how does this work? I don't understand. Can you explain it? He even said, do I go back into my mother's womb so that I can be born again? And Jesus said in John 3, he said, the wind blows where it wants to, and you hear the sound of it, but you don't know where the wind comes from or where it is going. It is the same with every person who is born from the Spirit. And Nicodemus asked, how can this happen? What Jesus was talking about is that we can't direct, stop, or start wind. We don't know where, if we could, we would send every tornado back, right? Like we, he, he's letting us know we don't know where the wind comes from. We don't know how it works, but we know that it does work. And he's saying the same thing happens with salvation. The same thing happens when a person is born of the Spirit. And Nicodemus is asking, how can this be? I, I, I don't know, but a lot of times we, we ask, how can a person in despair find hope? How can a person who lives in depression find purpose? How can a person whose life is messed up due to sin and decisions that they've made be changed into a person of faith? I don't really know how it all works, but I know that it does work, that Jesus has finished the work, and a person's life can be changed. It's not always the easiest thing to explain, but we know that it works. 
Jesus said, no one comes to the Father unless the Holy Spirit draws them. See, I've heard countless stories of people getting saved after years of someone praying for them. All of a sudden, they one day decide to give their life to Christ. And again, we think that's an event. It wasn't an event. It was a journey. People have been praying for them. People have been planting good seed into their heart. And it is the working of the Holy Spirit that produces change in a person's life. Again, this takes the burden off of you. It takes the burden off of me. As a pastor, a lot of times I come up to a pulpit to preach and I got all the pressure in the world on me. I feel all this weight thinking I've got to get people to change. I've got to get people to make a decision. I've got to do this and I've got to do that. But at the end of the day, I can't change anyone at all. Only God can produce change. And when I understand that, I can be happy as a laborer knowing my job is to plant seed. It's God's job to change them. And that's important to understand because if we feel that it's my job to change you, until you change, I'm going to be miserable. Until you are converted, I'm going to be frustrated. But as long as I know my job is to plant the seed, my job is to deliver the message, and it's God's responsibility. How I many we are working with God in this? We're not doing it by ourselves. God's not doing it by himself. We are working with God in a person's journey. There have been times that I've been preaching a message and I'm thinking in the back of my head while I'm preaching a message, this is terrible and if I wasn't preaching, I would leave. Some of y'all are like, really? Yeah. There are times I'm preaching and think I'm stumbling over my words, my thoughts are not connected and it feels discombobulated and I'm thinking this is so bad. If I wasn't holding the microphone, I would run out. And you guys sit there and endure it. And, and, and here's the crazy thing. Here's the point I'm trying to make. Sometimes it's when I feel that I was terrible, that I struck out, that I messed it all up. Many times, that's the day people come and say, that message changed my life. And I'm thinking, how is that even possible? Because we don't understand how it works. It's like the wind. And there have been times, get this, there have been times I thought, I am knocking this out of the park. I am four for four with four home runs, all four grand slams. I have killed it. Not a bit of feedback. How I many know God knows how to keep you humble? He's like, I'll use your mess to change somebody's life. And when you think you've killed it, Nothing will happen. Now, am I, am I saying that nothing happened? I, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying we work with God, and it's not our responsibility to change people. And that's important to understand that it's the Holy Spirit's job to change a person. It's our job to be faithful to the word, faithful to deliver the message, and understand that the journey of faith is a mysterious journey. It's all about the seed. When God's timing is right in a person's life, I can flub up really bad and people can get saved. When, when, when it's God's timing, it's a mystery and it's hard to understand. In John 6, 65, it says, if the father does not bring a person to me, that person cannot come. I mean, that's pretty, pretty specific. 
that the Father is working, the Holy Spirit is working on the hearts of people. So the journey of faith is mysterious. Secondly, the journey of faith is organic. It has a natural development to it. God naturally works in a simple thing. In Mark 4, 28, 29, it says, first the plant grows, then the head, and then all the grain in the head. When the grain is ready, the farmer cuts it because this is the harvest time. So this is a natural, organic process. The farmer does more than just plant seed and harvest. How many of you understand that a farmer not only plants the seed and and reaps the harvest, but he's got to watch the crop, he's got to kill the weeds, he's got to pray for rain. There's a lot of there's a lot of steps in that. And Paul, Paul, the apostle Paul, he understood the tension between our role and God's role. We have a role, but God has a role. And this is tough because a lot of times we want to do God's work. I want you to know you have your part, God has his part. The Corinthians were so, uh, had so much tension with this that some of them, their favorite preacher was Paul. So they wanted to show up and hear Paul. Other people within that congregation, they didn't care for Paul's preaching. They wanted to hear Apollos. And so there was tension over Paul and Apollos. And Paul writes and says, hey, I planted, Apollos watered, but what did he say? At the end of the day, it's God who gave the increase. That we have a part and God has a part. And I don't know about you, but I want to be faithful to do my part, which is to deliver the seed, to pray that the Holy Spirit touch their heart, to do the parts that I need to do, but also understanding that it is God that produces the change in a person's life. That's what he said in 1 Corinthians chapter, I'll read it to you, chapter 3, verses 6 and 7. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God is the one who made it grow. So the one who plants is not important. And the one who waters is not important. Only God who makes things grow is important. How often do we think we're so important? And right here, Paul said, I'm not important. Apollos is not important. The only one that's important in the whole thing is God because he's the one that produces change. If you're thankful that God is the one that produces change, can you give him a praise right there? It's God who does the work. It's God who makes things grow. So God is the important factor. Nothing happens without God. But the seed still needs to be planted and watered by you and I. This is not an event. This is a journey. The journey of faith is mysterious. It's also organic. And lastly, the journey of faith is, in fact, a journey. I want to put that in your spirit today, that this is a journey. God is is hovering over this entire process. That lost person that you are concerned about, that you wrote their name down, that you have prayed for the last couple of weeks, God is hovering over that individual. He's hovering over the entire process. And so I want to use for the next few minutes the metaphor of planting and harvest. And there are four, real, four steps to this, and you may want to jot these down. The first step is to cultivate you got to cultivate. In other words, you can't plant seed on hard soil. 
The first few years I was pastor of this church, I felt like all I did for about two years was plow up hard ground. Every Sunday, it felt like plow, 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 so that eventually we could start planting the good seed to start reaping a harvest of souls. But in the beginning, there was a lot of cultivating. There was a lot of plowing up the hard ground. The second thing that happens is the seed is planted. And the third thing is that the seed is watered. And then finally, harvest comes. For all of us Christians, we have what we need to work this process. We, we have seed. We have the message. We have the gospel. We have beautiful feet. We also have a, a cycle in a person's life. We have the water bottle where we can water the, the, the seed. Our problem is that a lot of times we're reaching for the wrong tool. We're reaching for the wrong tool. We don't know what tool to grab. And, we, and so what that means is, is we got to know when to cultivate. We have to know when to plant. We have to know when to water. And we have to know when it's harvest time. And with that, the only way to know what tool to use is to know where people are in the process. 30 years ago, people were one step from Jesus. They, they were just one step, maybe one conversation. How many know people in our culture are not just one step many times from Jesus? They are much further away from Jesus than that. And so there are, there's work to be done on our end to make sure that we can share the gospel in a way that's effective. And so when, when we talk about cultivating, cultivating is you building a relationship with a person and earning the trust to be able to speak into their life. It's why last week I said spiritual conversations happen in ordinary places with ordinary people. But in order to speak into a person's life, you've got to earn that trust. You've you got to build trust. You've got to cultivate that relationship. And, and some of you are thinking, well, pastor, do I need to be a fake friend? No, don't be a fake friend. That's the problem with the church. Be a real friend. Not a fake friend so that you can share your message and then go do your own thing. Be a real friend. Earn the trust. Cultivate the relationship so that you earn the right to speak into that person's life. Once you cultivate and you've earned the trust, what happens with a lot of people is that they then become curious, all right? They become curious. They want to know how you made it through the death of a lost loved one. They want to know how you made it through that divorce. They want to know how you made it through that worst season in your life, how you made it through financial stress. They, they're curious because they don't have Jesus. You have Jesus. And so they, they, because you've cultivated and built trust in the relationship, they see you live differently, but now they've got questions about why you live differently. And, and this is so awesome because it gives you the opportunity to share your story. The Bible says that we are made overcomers by what? The blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. 
If you're not sharing your story, you're missing an opportunity to plant good seed. Your testimony is seed that can be planted in the ground or in the soil of a person's heart. How many are thankful for the testimony God has given you, all the things that he's helped you through, your, the marriage problems, the financial problems, the raising kids problems? Come on. God helped you, and he saw you through that season, and now you have something that you can share with another person. The next step after they become curious is now they are open to change. They don't have to be stuck in despair. They realize that they don't have to live in bondage. One of the powerful things, and I'm not going to mention names or anything, but one of the powerful things I've seen since January as we've really leaned into deliverance and freedom for people is seeing people who themselves, they once were uh, an addict. They, they at one time were hooked on stuff and their life was all messed up. But because they are now serving Jesus and they themselves have been delivered, do you know who's the best at talking to people in bondage about getting out of bondage? It's the people who were once exactly where they were who've been set free by the power of God that can talk to that person. We were, we were ministering to people on Wednesday. Obviously, we're dealing with people in recovery. And, and, and PK, at one point, she, she's, she's talking to this lady and said, I've never been where you are. I've never been addicted. I've never had that struggle. But here was the, the beautiful thing. But so-and-so has, and she can speak right into your situation. And we, we were praying with people, and you could see the tears running down their face because they saw someone who was where they are now. Now they are free. They are serving God. They are ministering to the lost and ministering to the broken and those that are addicted to things and in bondage. And you could see for the first time for many of them that they saw a ray of hope. I don't have to live like this. I don't have to stay in bondage any longer. I can, in fact, be delivered. Come on, let's give God a praise right now that you can. Your story can change. Your life can change. You don't have to stay where you are. And the best people to share that are people who have walked through it. You're ministering to someone that's lost and maybe they're sick in body. Who best to share the gospel with that person than someone who's been sick? but have been healed by the power of God. And I think sometimes, and, and I, I, I don't know why, but I'm going to go ahead and say this. Some of you are embarrassed over your testimony. Don't be embarrassed another day in your life. If God brought you out of it, it isn't for you to be embarrassed about your previous life. It's for you to share that hope with someone else. I don't care what your story is. I don't care how ugly it may seem. Maybe, maybe it brings embarrassment, but you got to shake the embarrassment and the shame off and realize that you have seed that needs to be planted in the soil of another person's heart. So they become open to change. The next step is seeking God. Many times they'll start asking questions about your faith. Start asking questions about Jesus. They start thinking about a relationship with him and what that would look like, what Jesus could do in their life. The whole planting the seed, we kind of get that sharing, but watering that seed, when we water the seed, that's when we can answer their questions. That's when we can pray with them through whatever difficulty they face. That's what watering the seed looks like. Watering the seed is being there 
for someone in a difficult season. Walking with them. The final threshold of all this is that they enter the kingdom of God. And listen, this is more than just a sinner's prayer. This, and, and, and I, I lead us in a prayer every Sunday for those that are lost coming into a relationship with Jesus, but salvation is not a prayer. Yes, whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, but salvation is, is a 180 turn. I was, I was living this life, and now I'm accepting Jesus. I'm going to follow him. And so I have seen salvation prayers that were eloquent. I have seen that. Great. We praise God for an eloquent salvation prayer. I have also seen a salvation prayer of God, help me. God, save me. How many know God will meet people right where they are? And God can see the posture of a person's heart. We, we see salvation took place on the cross beside Jesus when the thief said, remember me. That was the salvation prayer. And Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. Why? Because it wasn't just the prayer, it was the posture of his heart had turned and he was willing to follow Jesus at that point. The Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It may be Jesus, take my life. It may be Jesus, I give you everything. It may be Jesus, save me. Jesus, help me. It's a journey. And the whole journey is being watched over by God. Eventually, we get to that harvest season. And I don't know about you, but I really enjoy harvest season. Like, I, I understand the importance of planting seeds. I understand we got to water it. We got to kill the weeds. And I hate weeding. Anybody hate weeding? You know why I hate weeding? Because it just takes a lot of work. Whether you're out in your landscaping, weeding, I hate, especially when it's like 92 degrees. You're under that hot sun and you're pulling weeds. I mean, how many, that's called misery. That's what that is. It's like, come, Lord Jesus, quickly. I don't want to pull another weed. And, and I understand that that's a process. I can't weed my landscaping. You can't weed your garden just by spending two minutes out there. How many know we got to work at it? So that part's not always the part that, you know, makes us feel excited, but we know it's necessary. I don't know about you, though, but I love harvest season. I believe that if you are not here on Friday night, you need to go listen to the message I preached on how to survive a spiritual attack. You need to go listen to it because the only way I can explain what I feel God is doing, I preached that message. I knew I'd heard from God, but everybody in the room, everybody was coming after the service saying that was for me. That's the season. I, I mean, it was like, I'm like, how in the world is it for everybody? And then it hit me. Breakthroughs here. And I feel like we've all been under somewhat of an attack and we've been bumping up against the breakthrough. And the enemy will always attack right before the breakthrough, and watch this, right before harvest season. But the devil is a liar. We're not missing out on the harvest that God has for Bethesda Church. Lost people are about to get saved at an unprecedented level. Come on, put some faith on it. Put some praise on it. As the worship team comes, I'm going to close this message out 
by reminding you of the names you jotted down a couple weeks ago. Obviously, we've got popcorn invites to make it easy for you to go have a conversation, put an invite in their hand. I want you to do that. But I also want to remind you that it is your job not to get them all the way to harvest by yourself. It is your job to plant the seed, water that seed, pray for that person, call their name. There's something powerful about calling out that person's name out loud, praying for them specifically that the Holy Spirit would touch their heart. How, and I, I tell our connect group leaders, those that are leading small groups, when you have a group of people that you're meeting with, you're building community with, and it's the same way with salvation, but when you're, when you're building community and you've got a small group of people and you meet every week, I tell leaders, your job is not to take that person in the group from A all the way to Z. Your job as a leader is to take that person from A to B. And I think sometimes we get discouraged because people don't, you know, we want to have one five-minute conversation and they're saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Spirit, healed, their families put back together, and it all happened in five minutes. And so when that don't happen, we're discouraged. But if you meet a person and you help them take one step toward Jesus, how many know you've done your part? It doesn't mean you can't come back and help them take another step. But I think sometimes we want to go straight from planting seed all the way to the harvest on the seed that was planted. And listen to me, no one loves that more than me. I love when that happens. But I also understand that sometimes for people who are hard-headed and stubborn like me, I wasn't a one-time event. I didn't get saved the first time they shared the message with me. I held on to some things until I was sitting in a church one night and my hands were on the back of the pew. I shared this Friday night. And I was so torn between the life I was living and the life I knew God had for me. And I can remember being so, I was hanging on for dear life. Like I, I know I need to go, but I don't want to go. I want to keep living the way I'm living, but I know I need Jesus. And in that moment of tension, I found I couldn't take it anymore. The conviction on my life at that point, so many prayers had been prayed for me. So many people had shared the gospel with me. At that point, I, I, all I can remember is I stood up, took one step. I don't remember anything else except when I left that night, the weight of the world had been lifted. The burden was gone because God saved me and set me free because it was my time. It was harvest season in my life. I want you to stand with me all over the room today. I'm going to stop right there. This is a journey for thousands of people. Maybe you're discouraged about someone in your life that has not accepted Christ. Maybe you've been praying for a long time. I want to encourage you and let you know that that seed that you have planted is slowly germinating. I have a scripture for you today. Some of you are not going to like this scripture, but I'm going to give it to you. Galatians 6, 9 says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. 
In closing, don't give up on that family member, that friend, that neighbor, that person you've been talking to about Christ, that person you've been witnessing to. Do not give up on them. God has a plan for that person's life. With that being said, I want you to bow your heads. I want you to close your eyes. Don't want anyone looking around for these next few minutes, except for my compass directors and coordinators. You can go ahead and feel free to get in position. And I know at the movies is next week, and we're going to be doing a lot of altar calls and giving people an opportunity to accept Jesus into their life, to follow Jesus. But I believe that there may be some people in this room today that as the message has gone forth, as you've been in the presence of God, you realize, I, Pastor, I just want to make sure I'm right with God, that I'm ready for heaven, that I'm following Jesus with my life. I'm not going to embarrass anyone, but if you're here today, you say, Pastor, you're talking to me. I need to make that decision to follow Jesus, and I want to do it today. I don't want to wait till next week. I want to do it today. If that's you, would you just throw your hand up real high where you are and say, Pastor, that's me. I need Jesus to save me today. Anyone at all. Thank you for these hands back here. God bless you. I see this hand over here to the right. Anyone else? Anyone else? One over here. God bless you as well. I see that hand back there. Awesome. Back left, Kevin, right there. Yep, right there's one. Anyone else? One here, up front, second row, third row, to the left. Listen, if you raise your hand, I'm going to ask if you would raise it up one more time, just real high, long enough for them to see you. They want to be able to get some information to you. And as they're going to you with those hands up, thank you for this one up front too. God bless you. I see that. So good. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray, and then we're going to have uh, a time of worship, and we're going to open up these altars to pray for people and with people. I'm not in a hurry. We got all day at family day. We're in good, we're in good shape on time. But I want us to lift our voice together and everybody pray together out loud. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I'm a sinner. I've committed sins. I need a Savior. I can't save myself, so I ask you, Jesus, to save me. Forgive me. I choose to follow you. Thank you for saving me and changing me. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give Jesus a big hand clap for that? So good. Life change happening. At this time, I want to ask that my prayer team come up and uh, get in position. We're going to open up these altars. If you need prayer for anything at all, we, we end our service by doing one last song for all those that are new to our church. One last song. And during this last song, if you want someone to pray with you, lay hands on you, agree with you, that's what this time's for. For the rest of us, we just want to worship Jesus. How many are thankful Jesus is King and he's worthy of our praise? Amen. Come on, let's give him the best praise we have so far as the worship team comes.
Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.